from Studio 67 in Florida's Capital County. It's time to be fackish. Access granted. Good people, welcome back to another episode of Fackish. Uh, you have got Jared here, and I'm joined by my fellow analyst, Sarah. Sarah, how are you hanging in there? I'm hanging in there, Jared. How are you doing? I'm doing good. As of recording, we are at 30 days left of session, uh, but who is counting? Uh, so we are almost exactly at the halfway point, um, and there is even some smoke that they might finish a little early. You never know. You never kinda know. Kind of doubt it, but... <laughs> I also will believe it when I see <laughs> I'll it. I'll believe it when I see it. You never exactly. know. Exactly. Well, it was a short week in the legislature. Uh, the legislature decided to take a little spring break uh, with Easter and Passover going on this week. Uh, so only a handful of bills to talk about, but it was still a big week as far as what was up as well as the budget. Yeah. Um, both sides, big both chambers week. putting out their uh, budget recommendations. All right, so let's get into the bills that we were following this week. First up, we had SB 216, Public Records of Current and Former County and City Attorneys by Senator Burgess passed unanimously in the Senate Governmental Oversight and Accountability Committee. This bill creates a public records exemption for the personal information of current county attorneys, deputy county attorneys, assistant county attorneys, city attorneys, deputy city attorneys, and assistant city attorneys. And their personal information relating to their spouses and children is also exempt. There was a delete everything amendment that passed in committee that would remove the word former within the exemption above. So we're talking former county attorneys, former city attorneys, all of the uh, job titles above the former was now taken out of that delete everything amendment. And the house bill is HB 525 by Rep Arrington and that still waits to be heard in its second committee House Ethics, Elections, and Open Government Subcommittee. This is in our FAC Legislative Action Plan. Moving on to one of the usual suspects from the last few weeks, we had Senate Bill 1110 uh, rearing its face again, and we were fortunate enough to be joined by our fearless leader, President Lee Constantine, who came to speak against this bill. Uh, this deals with term limits of county commissioners, and this applies to both charter and non-charter counties. It would impose eight-year term limits uh, for our commissioners and would expressly supersede any county charter. It's also very clear to not be construed to extend the term of any commissioners that might already be under term limits under a county charter. So, in other words, if a commissioner has two years left uh, of eligibility under their county charter requirements, it would not extend it to an additional eight years beyond that, or six years, as the case may be. As I mentioned, President Lee Constantine spoke against the bill, as well as FAC staff Bob McKee, uh, kind of touching on how it A, pulls power away from the voters, diminishes the impact of electoral politics. Uh, it would also result in an imbalance of power uh, and experience on the county commission. Yes, that's a big one that we are following right now, and I would say it's important to note that the term limits for county commissioners is not currently in the House Companion. And the House Companion is off the floor, obviously pushing down the term limits for school board members. So that will be interesting to see if it bounces back with the term limits coming in the next few weeks. And next up, we had a 
big election bill come up. It is SB 7050 elections. It's a massive 98-page bill that was filed by Senate Ethics and Elections. The bill does quite a bit, as you can imagine. It makes changes to campaign finance deadlines, speeds up when local officials must scrub voter rolls for the deceased and ineligible voters and increases fines on voter registration groups if they break the law. We saw a lot of this in last year's election bill. So they are coming back this year um, to refine some of those election laws. Additionally, the bill also revises required frequency for campaign finance reports and preempts local governments from enacting reporting schedules that differ from those provided in statutes. We are watching that massive election bill. It did pass six to three in its first and only Senate committee stop, and that is its only committee of reference thus far. And next up, we have a bill that we've been following. It is SB 1604, Land Use and Development Regulations by Senator Ingolia. This was heard for the first time in Senate Community Affairs. Its House companion was heard the very first week of session, HB 439, by Representative McLean. It has not been heard again. It has two more reference stops, House Commerce and House State Affairs. But the Senate bill was heard uh, on Wednesday. The original bill significantly impacted the Community Planning Act, urban sprawl and urban area definitions, and comprehensive plans. However, a delete-all amendment was filed that reduced the bill to the following issues. The bill retains the language regarding the increased length of required planning period from a 10-year period and a 20-year period. Current law is a five and a 10-year and revised the comprehensive plan evaluation and appraisal process. The bill removes the ability of local governments to require certain building design elements to single family or two family dwellings located in a plan unit development or master plan community. The bill also limits the application of those elements in communities with a design review board or architectural review board to those who have had such a board before January 1st, 2020. Fact testified with concerns with this deletion given its impact on our membership that have approved PUDs or MPCs within their jurisdictions and the community character provided by building design elements. Thanks, Sarah. A lot going on there. Moving forward uh, to the Senate version of the E911 package that we have talked about recently. This bill passed its first committee on the Senate side this week that was regulated industries. FAC had the pleasure of supporting this bill in committee this week as it would give counties a larger piece of the pie of the E911 revenues. Under current law, local governments would receive 76% of the revenue coming in from these fees in the wireless category. This bill would bump that all the way up to 94%. Uh, So a positive fiscal impact for local governments. And like I said, we had the pleasure of supporting it. All right. Thank you, Jared. And I think those were all of our big bills that we were tracking this week. Again, it was a slow week because of Easter break and also the budget. So we wanted to go over a few key items in the budget. You can also find our full breakdown of the budget on our website or in our legislative bulletin this week. So let's start out with 
The House and Senate passed their recommended budgets for this fiscal year of 2023 and 2024. Would be the largest ever. Largest ever. The House total is approximately $113 billion, and the Senate total is approximately $113.7 billion, which is crazy. Important to note that both of these figures are actually lower than the governor's recommendations, which came in at, I believe, $114.8 billion. Okay, so to start out, we're going to highlight some of the ag and environment funding. First thing is septic to sewer improvements. The House allocated $200 million and $100 million in the Senate for wastewater grant programs for wastewater facilities and wastewater treatment facilities to convert them from septic to sewer. The Water Quality Enhancement and Accountability, the House and Senate budget allocates $10.8 million. The Water Quality Improvement Grant Program, the House and Senate allocated $50 million for reductions in harmful discharges to the Caloosahatchee and St. Lucie estuaries. The House and Senate allocate $104.9 million and $25 million, respectively, for improvement projects within the proximity of the Indian River Lagoon. The House and Senate allocate $20 million for septic to sewer and wastewater projects that will improve the water quality of the Biscayne Bay. The House and Senate allocate $15.6 million for harmful algae bloom projects. The House and Senate allocate $50 million for springs restoration Florida Forever, the House allocated $175 million and $75 million in the Senate. Pretty big gap there. Pretty big gap. The House and Senate also allocated money for Hurricane Ian and Nicole relief. The House allocated $25 million and the Senate allocated $350 million to provide resources to fund gaps in mitigation of local and county revenue losses, infrastructure repair and replacement beach renourishment and debris removal for hurricane and recovery of hurricane Ian and Nicole. Important to note on that one, the $350 million figure in the Senate was expressly designated as a lump sum payment, whereas we expect that the $25 million that the House is allocating is part of a series of payments for recovery. Yes. Additionally, both chambers did allocate $106 million for beach erosion recovery projects related to Hurricane Ian and Nicole to fully fund DEP's Hurricane Ian and Nicole recovery plan for Florida's beach and dune systems. You can check out the rest of our ag and environment funding allocations that we're watching in our ledge bulletin or online. Thanks, Sarah. This next one is something we've monitored for years, obviously. That is the housing funding, and it was not actually in the budget. It was appropriated separately as part of the Affordable Housing Package, the Live Local Act. That was Senate Bill 102, and that has already got the governor's signature on it uh, and has been passed into law. Uh, just as a refresher, the appropriations within that bill were $252 million for the State Housing Initiatives Partnership Program, or SHIP, uh, as we like to call it, as well as $259 million for the SAIL program, that's the State Apartment Incentive Loan Program. That same bill, SB 102, also included $100 million in funding for the Hometown Heroes Housing Program that was uh, passed into statute last session. So some very promising housing funding that we're seeing so far. 
Visit Florida appears to be something of a point of contention between the two chambers at the moment. The Senate is recommending $80 million for the program, while the House is defunding it entirely. The Small County Outreach Program, or SCOP, is receiving $94 million from both chambers. Meanwhile, the Small County Road Assistance Program, or SCRAP, is receiving $28.4 million from the House and $28.5 million from the Senate. So hopefully they can, uh, you know, bury those differences. In the world of broadband, uh, both the House and Senate appropriated $100 million toward Florida's broadband equity access and deployment program, the BEAD program, as well as $12.9 million for the digital equity grant programs. Some pretty significant changes to the uh, Florida retirement system. Um, they are projecting a significant amount of unfunded liability within the system in the future. So once again, uh, the employer contributions have been raised. For more details on the exact numbers, please check out our legislative bulletin. Another implementing bill that passed was SB 2508. That is the state cybersecurity operations. The bill transfers the cybersecurity options center and its duties and responsibilities and allocations from the Florida Digital Service within the Department of Management Services to the Florida Department of Law Enforcement via type to transfer. The House refused to concur on the Senate changes to the state cybersecurity operations, so this will be discussed in budget conference. And another cybersecurity note is the House budget allocated $40 million in local government cybersecurity technical assistance grants, while the Senate had no allocations in their budget recommendation. So, of course, there's a lot of other allocations that we talked about in our budget overview, as we said on our website and our alleged bulletin, as well as an action alert. So please check those numbers out and we will see what goes on in budget conference over the next few weeks. Well, I think that just about wraps us up for the week, Sarah. Uh, as we promised, it was a relatively uh, short week of things to talk about, but, you know, a lot going on, obviously, a lot of balls in the air. Uh, and so we will obviously keep everyone apprised of what is going on in the legislature. Uh, Sarah, would you like to bring us home with the quote? Of course. It is not the critic who counts, not the person who points out how the strong person stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the person who is actually in the arena. Davin would be proud. He would be. Got four more weeks left. It'll be a busy four weeks, but we'll get through it all together. <laughs> <laughs> this is Jared and Sarah signing off. See you next week, Florida.